Rich. He's like, I need to go into the garage. We need to clean things out. I need you to come in. And I'm like, why? Just go in there and throw the things out. If I don't know it, I won't even remember that it was there. And for the one thing that I do remember and it's thrown away, oh, whatever. It's a matter of just understanding how that brain works. Here's a good example. We have 5,000 things I need to store and I'm supposed to know where all of them are at all times. And when I break it, <laughs> I'm in trouble. So I just stick it to the side or put it in the garbage can and hope she doesn't remember what it was. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 200 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. My purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. So this is our 200th episode of ADHD for Smartass Women. And I'll be straight up with you. If it were up to me, I would just record any old episode, but my friend and tech expert, Sandra Santorino, wouldn't hear of it. So she has literally been bugging me for the last, oh, I don't know, six or seven months about my 200th episode. And I kept blowing it off until finally she said, Tracy, you have to do something. You can't just do a regular episode. And she said, I know you should have your family on. So that is what we're doing. I sort of figured that I don't know, after all they've been putting up with for 200 episodes, maybe they'd want to come in and introduce themselves. And of course, they really don't. <laughs> I'm sort of making them. But you should also know that we were scheduled to start at 9 a.m. on Saturday. And it is now 10.12 because we've had an hour and 12 minutes of tech problems, primarily with my husband's computer. So we're all on here. Nobody's microphone works. We all had, you know, special microphones, but none of them works except for mine. 
So I'm hoping the sound quality will be good and Nico, our sound engineer, will create his magic. But let me start by introducing my family. So I'm wondering if you all can just say a little bit about yourselves. So let's start with my husband, Rich Stefani. Hi, Rich. <laughs> hi, hi, Tracy, and hi, all your fans out there. Oh, my God. Don't say that. That is so weird. <laughs> Rich, could you please just tell us something about you? Well, that's... <laughs> That's a pretty generic <laughs> question. So they don't know what the questions are, by the way. So this is literally all just impromptu. Okay. So um, married to Tracy for 33 years, and it's been uh, a heck of a ride the whole way. Um, <laughs> and uh, with this this particular ride being really uh, m monumental, if you will. But I'm on the opposite of Tracy. I'm not ADHD. I'm a personality, super focused, a Virgo, my sign. And that comes, Virgo comes through my personality. I'm a, a banker. I've been in the same industry for 36 years. So I'm all about continuity and I'm happy to be here today to celebrate the 200th. <laughs> yeah. He's the total opposite of me. Thank God. Okay. How about you, Atea? Hi, everyone. I'm Atea. A little bit about me. I have lived in New York for the last six years. It's my favorite place in the world. I'm one of those people that moved to New York and it became their whole personality trait. But I love music. It's my passion. And I really want to work with music artists and so and represent them. And so I am actually in the process of applying for law school right now, which has been a very interesting process. I work at a law firm and um, yeah, I'm excited to be here with all of you. Thanks, Taya. How about you, Marcus? Hi, I'm Marcus. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a junior at NYU. I want to go into investment banking or the financial sector. I enjoy sports. I watch every sports league. And I live in New York, too. Okay, so Marky is the one who started all this because he was the first one that was diagnosed in the family. So I would like to know from Atea, and I have a few questions here, but then I kind of ran out of questions. And so I actually went to our Facebook group um, called the AOK Agency. And so I have a program called Your ADHD Brain is AOK. -Okay, and once the students are done with AOK. -okay. They've completed the program. They've given me their intelligence, their AOK -okay intelligence report. They go into a separate group and that group is called the AOK -okay agency. And so I went to um, my women in the AOK -okay agency and I said, can you give me some questions? So I've got a few that we're going to start with, and then I'm going to switch over to their questions. So Taya, can you tell us what does each family member contribute to the family? Yeah, um, I'll do my best. Um, I think that my mom is always, she's very much like a, a fixer, but she has her own creative way of, like whenever whenever something happens, at least I'm speaking for my brother, but I think whenever something happens in our lives, I call my mom and I say, mom, what do I do? And always my mom has a really, 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 great solution, something that usually I've never thought of. And so 
I would say that my mom is always, she's always thinking about ways that we can do things differently, trying to get us to, you know, do something new, to try out like a new restaurant, all of this stuff. She definitely likes to um, constantly kind of push us out of our comfort zone. But so does my dad. Um, I would say that my dad is, he's like kind of like keeping everything together. (laughs) My dad is really organized. And my mom is too. But I would say my dad is really good at making sure we get places on time as a family, making sure that like my dad is like the the framework of it all. Like he's keeping it all together. I call my dad Buddy. So Buddy's like, you know, doing it all um, to keep it all together um, with the stuff that maybe isn't as apparent to maybe everyone else. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. But my brother, I would say Marcus keeps us on our toes. Um, <laughs> he's super smart and always surprises me because he knows so much about very niche topics and he will just, we'll be at dinner and I know that we'll always have a lively dinner because my brother will start talking about the most random things and basically, you know, always is teaching us new things. And I would say for myself, I'm really big on relationships. And I think that I, um, oh gosh, I don't know. It's hard to, to describe my own role. I was joking with my mom and I was saying that I was the glue in the family, but I don't really think I'm the glue. But I'm such a relationship-oriented person. And so I think, you know, I, I'm really positive. I have a naturally kind of optimistic view of the world, which I'm grateful for. And I think I try to keep things light and happy. (laughs) Definitely. You're the sweetest one and probably the one that is most in tune with her emotions. I try to be, but I I wouldn't say I'm sweet. I don't think people would describe me as sweet because I'm also kind of intense, but I'm like a party mom. Like I want to make sure everyone's having the the best time and um, is enjoying themselves and you know, is happy. So, yeah. Thank you, Atea. So Marcus, how do you think ADHD has affected our family? I guess another way to say that is how do you think our family is different than other families, like your friends' families that don't have ADHD? (laughs) (laughs) This is Marcus, by the way. (laughs) um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about ADHD in our family. Um, and even when I was younger, there was more talking about ADHD, but obviously as my mom has gone into this career path, it's became a more prevalent thing. I would say that living in a family where, well, I personally think I don't have that bad of ADHD compared to my mom and my well, my sister doesn't have it technically, but I think she does. She hasn't been diagnosed, but I think it just makes her craziness, I guess. But do you think um, our family is really that crazy compared to other families? No, but I think I'm more like dad. I'm really good with time. I'm really technical. Um, I'm pretty organized, and I feel like. My sister and my mom are kind of just live life 
without care. They're very like, they're on their own time. It's like when they want to get somewhere, they get there. When they want to like, how they want to do something, they do it that way. There's no like organization or structure as much, um, mm. which I think leads to a lot of bickering. But like, I feel like all families bicker. What do you mean by bickering? I don't know. It's just like if me and dad want to be somewhere at a certain time, the chances we get there at that time are slim or none. Okay, dad and I. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think, Rich? How do you think that we're different than other families? And in that, how has ADHD affected our family? Well, I think we're different in both tangible ways and intangible ways. Tangible is what Marcus was just talking about. You know, he and I, I mean, I grew up in a family where being on time meant that you were there five minutes early. And I grew up my whole life like that. And so, as he mentioned with you and Atea, there isn't as much attention to that. But I think that's what I realized over the years after being married to you for 33 years is that your brain is moving so fast in so many directions that it just can't focus on time. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. And I've learned that through your, your program over the last five years that that's, I'm never going to change that. And that's just how your DNA works. I think how we're different from other families is that there's a lot of ambition and drive. I think as a result, partly of both, with Tracy, with her ambition and always striving to be the best and, you know, good enough isn't, you know, good enough, if you will. I changed uh, that five okay, years well, ago. Good enough is. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't get that memo. But the point is that I think our family is different because in a way, in simplistic terms, we're always on the move. We're always, you know, when I look at other families and work colleagues, they're more static. They're more consistent. You know, they have certain goals, but many of them don't reach beyond those certain goals. And it, in our family, it's, it's just different. You know, we're, uh, what Tracy did with this program as an example, uh, is just unbelievable and something that very few people in the world probably could do. And, you know, she started this after a, a successful career in other areas. And so I think that you know, that notion of the ADHD brain focuses on the things that it focuses on, it's really, really good at. And you see that. You see that with Tracy in this program. Marcus, if he decides he's going to research a particular interest level or subject, he's going to become an expert in it. But as a result of that, we jump around in three or four different directions consistently. And same thing with Atea, but to a lesser degree. So I guess the mantra in this family is you can never sit down and relax. I mean, it's, and I'm kind of like that too. I'm antsy and I, I don't have ADHD, but I'm on the move all the time. I, I, when I get up in the morning, it's let's go get them. And, uh, you know, what's, what can we do? What's the schedule? And let's go. Thank you. So, Marcus, what advice would you give to a parent raising an ADHD child? I feel like when you're raising someone, especially people with people like I had friends that I'm probably still undiagnosed that had obviously a severe, severe ADHD. 
But I think the problem is that you can't really be too strict, or you also can't be too unstrict. It's like a very big balancing act. I think a lot of times, like kids with ADHD, like in systems in general, like the schooling system, it's like not looked at properly. And we kind of have like the idea in America and in many countries that if a kid's doing bad in school, the only way to fix it is to like punish them or to to make it like not demean them, but basically make it so that they're forced to do better. But the fact of the matter is that with kids with ADHD, a lot of times they're not doing well in school because of other factors, not that they're not trying. So that doesn't work. I also think like the brain type of that kid is that if you're really strict on someone who has most kids with ADHD are going to be somewhat defiant. So if you have, if you're really strict on them, I feel like the chant, they're just going to want to go against you more. They're not going to listen. Like, I feel like it's like a group of people that don't listen as much. They kind of like to test like limits and boundaries. Anything else? I mean, was there anything that you thought we did really well raising you because of the fact that you had ADHD, just the strategy worked? I mean, I thought you guys did a good job with schools. I think letting me just kind of, even though there was like some up and downs, like going to multiple schools and kind of being able to, like, you never forced me really to stay in the school. And I think even though there was obviously like some schools worked out better than others, I think going to different schools eventually led to me being able to figure out how I learned well. And I think that was super helpful. And I also think you guys gave us like a good, I felt like we were raised with like, uh, we had like a lot of freedom in high school and like we weren't, you weren't super strict, but you knew when to like reel us in, I think. Just to chime in here, Marky, I don't want to cut you off if you had more to say, but I also think that for me at least, and you know, I haven't been diagnosed, but I think that I have ADHD and it has manifested itself in my life more like my mom's journey where she didn't know really until later in her life and was able to kind of keep things together through high school, through college. But I think that one thing that for me was is something that I think is really special about our childhood was when we were younger, our parents really gave us the freedom to just try so many different types of activities, whether that be sports, arts. I mean, like we really did it all. So because we had freedom to try so many different types of things, we also then figured out the things that we were really passionate about or that we were really good at naturally to build on. And I think with the ADHD brain, there needs to be that focus, as my mom always says, on the positive emotion. So if your child is able to experiment with all these different activities and then because of that experimentation, figure out what they really like to do, then that just kind of sets you up for I think a much more fulfilling life because I think at an early age, I was able to figure out, oh my God, like I love music. Music is the thing that I wake up every day and I, and I, you know, live out my life because of music. And, you know, if I had been not able to explore that, maybe I wouldn't have even realized that. Well, and it's interesting that then, yes, you're interested in music, 
but you're not choosing to go into music as an artist professionally. What you decided was, you know what, I want to represent artists, but it's because you did so many internships, you know, you were around artists, you were an artist. So you've been able to test all the different areas and discover that, you know what, I like the intellectual aspect of it. <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, like someone's runner all day, right? Or babysitter. Right, right. And I think too, I wouldn't know that had I not, you know, gone to school at a liberal arts university. I also went to NYU, like my brother, but I, most of what I was actually in the art school um, in Tisch, but everything that I did was looking at music through the lens of theory and whether that be, you know, gender theory, um, you know, uh, critical race theory. And so I really realized that I loved that intersection between, you know, the academic and music. And um, that's really kind of where my happy place was. And so looking back, and obviously I have a lot of life to live still and probably, you know, a lot of figuring out to do, but it kind of, it makes sense, the path that I'm taking. And I think that my childhood of, you know, having that freedom to um, to really explore who I was and what made me tick is the reason why I'm, you know, where I am today, having a, a solid understanding of who I am. Do you think anything about that comment, Marcus? Yeah, I guess I agree. <laughs> I, Nothing more than that. So I would just, uh, I want to just jump in here for one minute just to give the audience an example of what that support and, and uh, freedom entails from a parent perspective. So there were two years one year for sure, maybe two years. Um, I can't remember exactly the the overlap, but at one point as the kids were in school, Marcus was in a, a very uh, interesting school up in Santa Rosa, which is about a half an hour. Oh, it was actually about 40 minutes north of where we live. And uh, Taya was going to a great high school down in Marin County, which was 45 minutes to an hour the other way. And so there was a time where Tracy and I, between the two of us carpooling, I figured it out. We were in the car three and a half hours a day, shuttling the kids around. So we allowed them to have that diversity and independence and, you know, finding themselves. And as parents, you know, it, it, it took a toll on our cars for sure. And thankfully we're both working in areas where we could be flexible, but nevertheless, that's, that's part of the commitment. So, Marky, is there anything you'd change about the way you'd raise your family? Um, I think as much as I benefited from switching schools many times, I think there were some times where I shouldn't have switched or maybe been forced just to stay like a little bit longer. So but, can you give us an example? Like I went to the first high school I went to my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think, I think it was definitely my decision, but looking back on it, I think it would have been smarter to go to a different school than the one I had gone to just because of unstructuredness and kind of just the environment of that whole school. So are you but, saying that it would have been better for you to not go to Santa Rosa high school? 
I think for me now, I look at it and I'm like, it was a learning experience, so I don't regret going there. But I know, I think I would have had a more enjoyable high school experience if I hadn't gone there in the first place. And um, why was that? I just think it was just, a, it was just too, when you come from like a small Catholic middle school and you go straight to a big public high school in a neighborhood that in a, in a district that's not very well funded and a little bit more dicey, I guess it's a big adjustment to like your life. And I think it's too big of an adjustment maybe to make it that young of an age mm-hmm. when you're still like learning and developing. But I also think it's really hard to say I would change the specific thing of parenting specifically because I have no idea what my kids are going to be like. Right. If my kids are more traditional, then I won't run into like any of those problems. If they're if they're all like very do well in traditional school system, then I don't think I'll run into those problems as much. But I don't think there's much I would change. I mean, I like how I was raised. I thought it did pretty well. Do you have any um, thing to add, Taya, from your perspective? I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I think you know what I'm going to say. When I was. I think for first through eighth grade, I went to a pretty like conservative elementary school. And um, honestly, I, I hated the social dynamic um, just because I've... It was I've a Catholic been, school. Yeah. I And there was just a lot. And this was, you know, kind of a while ago. So there was a lot of homophobia. There was definitely racism. And I feel very privilege that I don't, I, I really wasn't traumatized by, um, you know, the social dynamics. I didn't like them, but I was able to kind of do my own thing and was not, you know, picked on socially at all, but it was definitely challenging to grow up, um, in school in an environment where clearly the boys were more valued and, um, uh, you know, there was just misogyny. And as a child, you pick up on those things. But I think that my parents were able to, because of kind of the education that we were getting at home from whether it be, you know, politics. Um, my parents have always been really involved in politics and social issues and having those difficult conversations at home. Um, when I would come home and be like, hey, mom and dad, I read in my religion textbook that marriage is only between a man and a woman. And my parents would be like, whoa, 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 like, let's talk about this. So I'm really grateful. And I know that the reason why I was going to that school is because they had the best academic curriculum in our area. And then once I was old enough, I found a school, as my dad was saying, my, my high school was, I mean, honestly, realistically, when there was traffic, it was an hour and a half away. And My parents, when we visited the school, instead of being like, oh my God, this is so far away. This is going to be such a strain on our family. They were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. They have, you know, an amazing jazz singing program that you can be part of while, you know, very academic um, program. And you can, you know, explore your love for English and all of this, this other this other stuff that they were really encouraging. And then when I got in, there was no question that I would go. And I think that that's, I guess the question was, what would I would do differently? And now I'm just, you know, tooting your praises. But, um, <laughs> but I don't really that's know. Okay. 
I don't really know if I would do anything differently as opposed to I don't intend to send my children to religious schools. <laughs> I will not, especially schools. I, I, I just, um, there's, but, but also it was a very, it was a different time. And I think that there's so much that's come out about the Catholic church that was not, you know, out in the open before. So I think it's really hard to be a parent, you know, it's really hard. So I feel like, my childhood has set me up for success and, you know, within my personal life and professionally. So I feel very, very, very um, lucky. And Marcus, you disagree, right? I mean, you really, you really like the Catholic school and you like the curriculum. And yeah, I, I, I went back to the Catholic school for my final year of high school too. I, I loved Catholic school. I thought it was like, I mean, it wasn't perfect, obviously, but I ended up going back both times that I had left. And I felt like the, the structure is great. I had great teachers. I mean, like, I had great friend groups there. I'm not saying, like, the Catholic institution is perfect, but I think I would probably send my kids to Catholic school, too. I just feel like it's a good, a good schooling experience, especially if you don't have a non-religious private school in your area or if you don't want to spend, like, the absurd amount of money that some of these elite private schools cost. Hmm. Oh, my only, my only question is I felt like when I was in Catholic school, there was a huge emphasis on memorization and I didn't know how to think for myself until I went to, and you, you don't have to go to an independent school to do that. But that was my experience is that I really learned how to, question and wonder you know, like in catholic school they never let us say well why is this like this you know how did this come to be the way that it is and so i think that when i went to my high school my kind of my world opened up because i was given the space to question why why things are the way that they are so yeah, I, I don't know your experience but. i also I also think that's a little bit less Catholic school and more just elementary middle school in general. I think because I, I went to I went to another school for fifth and sixth, and it was they definitely let you question more. But I think in general, like when I went back to Catholic school for my senior year of high school, there was a lot of like questioning why. Like we took government classes, we took law classes. I think it's just when you're younger, it's more about giving you information in general than having you question that information and then once you're older you can kind of develop more of like a overall like well-structured opinion i'm not saying there wasn't like i mean in religion you don't really have an opinion but outside of that i thought i had an opinion my last year hmm. okay so i have a bunch of questions that i'm pulling from our group the aok agency thank you all so much some of these are going to be hard, so I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stay, but I'm going to go through them because I don't know if you're going to, well, I certainly can't remember anything. So Grace Parker asks, what's the most ADHD thing that Tracy has done at home? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. This is a little example, but my mom will literally, this happens all the time still to this day. She'll be running around the house and be like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And I'm like, you're holding it in your hand. She does that a lot. 
Oh, I have one. Every single time we have dinner guests, that day she's the, she goes into like that ADHD mode where it's just pure like kind of panic. Yeah. And <laughs> she just makes, it's like, yeah, like, everyone, she's like yelling at you to clean this and clean that. And she's trying to cook in the kitchen. And it's just kind of like every, no, the plan never works with ADHD people, I guess. Cause it just seems like it's always like everything's organized. And then the day of it just becomes a, once something goes wrong and then everything goes wrong. Well, I think it's that you're adding anxiety and so then you just start spinning. And so even the, like, I'll write down all the times everything needs to go in here and there and, you know, all of that, everything's, you know, chopped, ready to go. But then it's almost like you lose sight of that. And so all I can do is put my head down and just keep working. And I have, because I have no sense of time, I have no idea how long things take. I've gotten a lot better at it. And it was shocking to me how much longer things take than I think they do. But somehow I can think, I think I can do everything in five minutes. I've gotten a lot better though. I mean, you know, we used to do these big honking parties and I was better, right? Then versus today, even like doing, I mean, although when we do Christmas dinner, it's for like 24 people, but it's so much harder for me to do today versus before I could have 75 people and it wasn't that big of a deal. I will say, though, Mom, I have noticed that when we were younger, you, I felt like we're a lot more, and this is no shade, but you were a lot more like emotionally dysregulated when you were preparing for a party versus I feel like now within the last couple of years, I feel like it's much, you're much more streamlined throughout it than you used to be. Well, yeah, because I do things literally at 25% of what I used to do them at. Okay. Okay. Right. I don't take on. But part of that's also, I think, because when you're making the dinner now, it's like for our family or like extended family or just like our general family. Rich, do you have any comment? Well, how many times have we changed the the yard, the plants? Yeah. Well, I think the kids actually did a really good job of answering that question. (laughs) I don't. I don't think I should add anything else or can. (laughs) Okay. Nicola McLennan, does ADHD show up in your holiday season traditions? Mm. Oh, yeah. Wait, it totally does, Taya. How? Think, think about how ADHD is this. Everyone else does a normal Christmas tree yes! every year. And our yeah. whole life, every like two years, there's some weird Christmas tree that doesn't have like the star or whatever they put on top. And it has random owls and like it's like the weirdest thing ever she can't do traditional hall anything traditional has to be changed for no reason (laughs) yeah and and also now that i'm thinking about it with mom like interior design is a passion and she loves she like is so creative and loves like style and all of that kind of thing and i think that the reason why i used to look at our like our house the way that my mom would decorate, we would have an upside down Christmas tree. There'd be the regular Christmas tree. There'd be like a modern take and then like a country mm-hmm. Hamptons take. And all of these different styles, it was so, for lack of a better word, like overdone. And I'd be like, what is going on here? But I think my mom had hype, like what just, it was hyper-focused in a way that, you know, the house had to be this like perfect original creation, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I 
I guess because it allows me to practice my creativity, but then I'm also, I used to do different paint colors and now everything is white or it's, it's a little bit off white. So it's not really harsh because I get sick of things so easily. And so that allows me to do decorative elements kind of weird and over the top because I can always go back to like the plain, you know, white slate for lack of a better word. Okay, let me see. Sandra. Um, oh, do Rich and Atea, I'm not sure Atea will add value here, but maybe, do Rich and Atea have any tips on how they deal with and handle certain ADHD situations at home? And that is, um, that's Sandra Santorino, who's the one who, you know, said um, you've got to do this. Sandra. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. You know, I think for me personally, in the early years, dealing with all the options because I'm not an options person. I decide I'm going to do something or there's a way to do it and it's boom, let's go do it. I don't sit down and think, okay, how are, how can we do it four different ways? And so with Tracy's creativity and such, we would think about the four different ways and I'd kind of roll with that and get frustrated and, and kind of just roll with it. And as I, as I've gotten older and understand how all this works, I, um, I, I'm better, I think, at kind of synthesizing those or suggesting how we synthesize those. And in some cases, I just roll with what I think and don't and, and just, yeah, just go <laughs> with it. And, and hopefully she doesn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Dad. Which is true. I mean, sometimes it's like... You come in, you ask me these questions, and I'm like, I don't know. I can't even focus on that right now. Just pick something. Or I'll say to Rich, like, you know, he's like, I need to go into the garage. We need to clean things out. I need you to come in. And I'm like, why? Just go in there and throw the things out. If I don't know it, you know, I won't even remember that it was there. And for the one thing that I do remember and it's thrown away, oh, whatever. No, I think it's a matter of just, yeah, understanding how that brain works. and and. You know, on the critical things, I'm going to definitely get her feedback. I'm not going to do anything unless I get her concurrence. But there are other areas that I've learned over time. Just do it and fake <laughs> it. And if it's something I break, which generally I do, here's a good example. I mean, we have 5,000 things I need to store, and I'm supposed to know where all of them are at all times. And when I can't find something or if happen chance I break it, <laughs> I'm in trouble. So I just, I break something. I just stick it to the side or put it in the garbage can and hope she doesn't remember what it was. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Our family is. We have all of these glass cloches, you know, the things like you put croissants in or cookies and they have a lid. And so I have tons of glass ones that I used to use all the time because I love to bake. And Every single time Rich goes into the pantry, somehow he breaks one of them. And it's always my favorite ones. And he always says, oh, I'll replace it. But you've never replaced one of them. So now, now I hear that he breaks things and he doesn't even tell me anymore. He just throws it in the trash. Yeah. Not that much, though. I'm actually, I never get credit for being as organized as I really am. And I, believe it or not, do know where most things are. But. But that's all good. It keeps you, you know, the thing about the ADHD brain, which I think is a real positive, and I see it with everybody in this family, is, you know, you're always on your toes. And, and I think that 
that's important to keep your mind moving. It's it's good for your mental health and the development of your brain. I I just know people that kind of check out at a certain age and they're they don't look at alternatives. They're not interesting, and uh, we'll never have that problem in this house. Okay. Um, Aw, this is Isabel Baker. She's um, one of our community mentors. And she says, I'm so happy for this. I want to hear each of them describe your work to others. And then she says, please, please publicly thank your son for allowing you to share his story. While we don't live in a vacuum and we know his story is also your family's story, he was brave and gracious to agree. Marcus, did you even agree? (laughs) I don't think so. Oh my god! I'm still waiting on royalties. (laughs) Oh my god! Hey, wait a minute. When I got my book deal, what did I do? What is the first thing that I did? Oh yeah. Okay, that's fair. Wait, what did I do? She brought me the watch. Yeah, I've had. I I bought him. So Marcus loves Frank Sinatra, and so I bought him uh, the Boulevard. What is it? What's the? It was the Frank Sinatra Boulevard. Best is yet to come edition. Yeah. And he wore it for, oh, I don't know, maybe two weeks. And then what did you buy instead? Because you decided, oh, you needed it for the gym. I wear the Frank Sinatra watch anytime I'm, I wear my whole internship. And then I wear it anytime I'm wearing something nice. It's a dress watch. It's good. Okay. I also just can't wear it very much because I have the same thing as dad where I just freeze the watch. (laughs) (laughs) So like it doesn't tell time. But I use an Apple Watch during the school week. But if I go to like a nice dinner or if I go in interviews or anything, I always wear that watch because it's much classier. You know, that's interesting because that's a very traditional approach to watches. Uh, You know, my parents growing up, my dad had several watches. He did have a dress watch for exactly the type of a situation. He also had a work watch. And you have and most people have a sports watch, too. What was the question again, Trace, through all that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a rich comment. Okay, so let me finish Isabel's post. While we don't live in a vacuum and we know his story is also your family's story, he was brave and gracious to agree. Remind him that his permission is a gift to women around the world, and that's no exaggeration. And when any one woman is helped by you, Tracy, her entire family, her friends, her career, her entire life is forever improved because she gets to be more of who she is created to be. And that improves her life and community. While I know you couldn't do your work without your family and their love and support, I've always seen your son as an extra gift to us all. Oh, my God, you're going to make me cry. Your, sorry, your original why. This work was born in your heart because of your mother love. All I see is love. So I want to hear each of them describe your work to others. Thank you, Isabel. Yeah, I'll take that on. So, you know, when I talk to people about what Tracy's doing, of course, uh, you know, it's it's kind of snappy with the name ADHD for smart-ass women. You know, I always make mention, and I'm criticizing my family for being a bragger, but I also, <laughs> I, always, I always brag about the amount of, podcast downloads and all the achievements that she's had. But I think more importantly than that is just the impact that she's had on people in general. Uh, I always comment on the fact that it's a, it's an area that's really not well known by uh, healthcare professionals, if at all. 
I always mention that there's a number of healthcare professionals that listen to our podcast that exclaim, God, I didn't know that. And that could be a psychiatrist, believe it or not. And just the impact that it has on people, you know, the benefit. And, um, you know, I'm all about, you know, women's rights. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, men have just screwed a whole bunch of things up in this society and the women have to get, get on the ball, get out and vote be vocal and hopefully <laughs> and it's how upsetting that the impetus has to be on women right yeah oh. well, you know something it is that's what it is and so you know you have to uh i know but we also it. need the support of men yeah and we well, need women to be represented in these in positions of leadership so that the change can actually occur well i think the what does that have to do with ADHD? You know what it has to do with ADHD is it has to do with making sure that women are included in this research, looking at the ways that ADHD, you know, manifests in people. It means making sure that women are actually represented in not only the data, but actually like the work that's happening. Like we need women in these positions of leadership. We need more women doctors. We need more well, now I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, and the, and the truth of the matter, Marcus, is women struggle with ADHD more than men. And the reason they struggle with it is, okay, they have their regular ADHD symptoms that, you know, many men have. You know, some are more inattentive, but some are combined type. So they have that struggle, but then they have the whole social structure that's been put on women that we're the ones that are supposed to be the administrative caretakers of all the men and the children, the family, you know, the social, you know, um, engagements, you know, all of that. The shame, too, of when a woman is not able to fulfill these stereotypical roles of what, you know, being a mother, wife, daughter looks like when there's no one size fits all. And I want to say, too, that, you know, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, the therapists, the coaches, the mental health professionals, all of them, when they contact me and tell me that, oh, my gosh, I'm listening to this podcast and I didn't know I had ADHD and I can't believe, you know, after decades of, you know, the work that I do that it's ADHD, those are some of the most meaningful connections that I make and the most meaningful, you know, emails and DMs and like, I just, I love to hear that because then the ripple is even farther because they're going to then go out to their patients and their clients and they know more and they're going to learn more from, you know, other sources as well. And that is how we create this change where, I don't know, I just really feel like if 10% of the population is estimated to have something, is it really a disorder or is it just a different way of being in the world? You know, is it a series of traits? And I, I just firmly really? believe that. Okay. So this is Amanda Smith. So Amanda Smith has actually, I think she only has two hedgehogs now, Fat Lydia and Jester. Oh my God. No. <laughs> And she named her Fat Lydia because when she arrived, I think she got her from like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like the Humane Society for Hedgehogs. When she got her, I guess the person who had her before overfed her. So she was like double the size that she should have been. And, you know, that makes the hedgehog sick. So she is, she's just adorable. Anyway, this is what Amanda asks. I would love to know what each of them think their favorite and least favorite ADHD trait of yours is. Have we covered that, do you think? 
Yeah, indirectly. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Indirectly. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So they're making me read this question. Atea Stefani, make sure you see this question because your mom will pretend she doesn't. So this is from Virginia Mitchell, who uh, is another one of our wonderful AOK women from Florida. She took AOK when I think she was 71. She's amazing. And um, she says or asks, when did you realize your mom had become kind of a big deal in the world of ADHD and podcasting? And I don't know if that's true at all yet, but it's interesting. I okay. Let me let me start by saying, I just feel like I'm in a you know in a room here and I'm recording what I love to record, and I get to talk to people, you know, every week that are so interesting and fascinating. And because I love ADHD women so much, I love their their spirit and their sense of humor and their brilliance. It truly doesn't feel like work. So sometimes I look and say, oh my gosh, we have over three and a half million downloads, you know, and it's, but it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of, it's there, but it doesn't seem true. What do you guys think? So I think that, I feel like there was, there's been a couple of moments. I don't think there's been one big moment. I think that when my mom, my mom you know, has been working on the podcast for years. And, and honestly, when she started, and this is no shade to Marcus and, and Buddy, but I feel like, like, sometimes you're like, what is she doing? Like, (laughs) what is she doing talking into a microphone for two hours? And then I remember, and this might, this is probably like a year and a half ago, my mom was telling me about some of her stats in other countries. And I was like, what? Oh my God, that's insane. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember definitely feeling blown away. And then another moment I remember is I, I love podcasts as well. And I listen to kind of all different, all different genres of podcasts, but, um, there's one podcast that I particularly love and I was looking at their Instagram. And then for some reason I was looking at my mom's and I was like, Oh my God, my mom has more followers than them. That's crazy. And they're podcasters that I think of as like micro influencers. Um, (laughs) um, And so I was like, Oh my gosh, my mom has more followers than them. That's interesting. And then I will say, I think the moment where I was like, wow, this is my mom. My mom is really making a change in in the way that ADHD is being thought of with women and it's being acknowledged by not corporate America, but people that are, you know, in charge of like distributing our media and our books was when my mom got her book deal. And I I looked up the publisher and I was like, oh my gosh, mom, this is a really, really big deal. And my mom has the ADHD thing where she She's like, well, okay, like on to the next thing. Like she doesn't really celebrate her wins. She'll be like, okay, that's great. So how can I be better? And I was like, mom, we need to celebrate. I'm always about celebrating. I was like, mom, we need to celebrate this. This is a really big deal. So (laughs) anybody have anything to add? No, I think Ted did a good job. Yeah, I think that's a recovery. Raquel uh, Lubbers asks, did you go through a period of being sick of mom talking about ADHD all the time? And how did you get over it? 
especially Marcus. Was he grateful to have a mom hyper-focusing on ADHD, understanding and strategies, or did he just not want to talk about it and address it? (laughs) I guess I'll take this. Um, Yeah, I think I'm still in that period. I I just don't like having my life revolve around any like one specific thing and i've heard so much about adhd in like the last six years i think more than most people here in like three lifetimes i think i probably i mean i think i'm better now but when i was younger i definitely wasn't grateful i mean most of my friends didn't even know you had a podcast that i went to high school with and i basically used to just say my mom was had her own business that was her job not give the details but now I guess I don't care as much, but it also might be because I'm just older. I don't know. I think it's a, in college, at least the people I go to college with, it's cooler to have a mom that does this than I was in high school. Um, but do you, I, sorry, mom, go on. No, why don't you, cause I'm about to segue. So why don't you com- finish your thought? Sorry. I'm, I'm not sure what my thought was. Oh, my thought was, um, so do you actually tell people now, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I don't not. I mean, I just tell people my mom does ADHD has like an ADHD program for a woman. That's like really successful. Oh, um, so you actually say, talk about it now. Cause I didn't think you said anything about I, it. I, I know, I know someone who found your thing because they were looking at one of my friends. I won't say your name, but one of my friends that's a girl found your like ADHD for a woman thing. Cause she thought she had ADHD. Oh, wow. But did she find it on her own or did, were you nice enough to say, oh, my mom has a podcast? No, like she just came. She, one day she was just like, I listened to this one episode from this podcast and the person has your middle name. And I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so did she have ADHD? I don't think so. I don't know. I'd have to ask her. Oh. Uh. So I'm the guy that has to hear this every day. So I honestly, I never get sick of it. I, I'm never, oh. yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not thinking, oh my God, if I hear this one more time, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'm just happy that, I'm just happy that Tracy's doing a great job and she's happy and, you know, and it's interesting. I love to hear the stories of, uh, of the people, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, inspiring to hear the accomplishments and then seeing, you know, what Marcus does uh, on a family level. It's cool. Totally. And I was just going to say that I have actually really appreciated it because, and I am long overdue to get tested. My mom has been literally begging me to go get tested. And because I don't think that on paper I look like I have ADHD, but I actually really think I do have it. And because my mom has done so much research and has so much experience talking to all of you, I don't think I would have even thought like, oh, okay, maybe I do have ADHD if I didn't hear about it from her all the time, like truly. And obviously I haven't gotten tested, but I don't know. My mom and I seem to we're, we're both convinced that I probably do have it. And I didn't really realize until I was studying for the LSAT, which was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life, which is, you know, I'm very privileged that that is the hardest thing I've probably ever had to do in my entire life. But it was like an obstacle at a level that I had never experienced. And I really was beating myself up about 
not being, I wasn't reaching the goals that I had set for myself. And my mom and I were talking about it. And that was an experience where I think that I realized, okay, you know, maybe there's something more going on here. And I'm not just, it's not that I'm an idiot, you know? So I'm grateful for that. Thanks, Taya. I should also say that, you know, poor Rich. Oh, my gosh. So I used to have an office. We have a barn that's attached by a small breezeway to our home. And so upstairs, I had this huge office that I used for years. And then all of a sudden, I decided that I don't like being up there by myself. And so I decided to basically put my office in our great room. So there's a corner of the great room. I know when you all see, you know, if you're part of any of my programs or you've attended anything that I've done, there's a big bookcase behind me, right? Well, I built that bookcase, but then put a desk right in front of it. And it's right off of our living room kitchen area. And so I just always feel like I'm displacing everyone. You know, I tend to record podcasts at certain times, and so nobody can be in here. And if I'm running one of my programs, nobody can be in here. And if I'm, you know, so even like running through the house to go get a cup of coffee, like I hear it all right, and I get distracted. So poor Rich has basically had to take the brunt of it. And then when I record podcasts, he has to take our dog. (laughs) Uh, So he has to take her up to his office. And 50% of the time, she forgets to tell me when she's done. So, you know. We'll be starving in the back of the house. Oh, I feel bad. Uh, (laughs) No, fine. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you all one last question. What do you think, being part of this family and, you know, even maybe Taya feeling like you might be on the spectrum, you know, that's ADHD, Marcus, you know that you're ADHD rich, you're just out there watching it all and trying to cope. What do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Who wants to start? I think just observing the three of you, I think the key is find what your strengths are capitalize on them. The things that you're not interested in, don't just blow off, but recognize that they're just areas you're not going to be as strong as, and don't get frustrated. Just really focus on what you're really good at and exploit that. And I would add, find someone in those areas that you're not strong in, find someone that you can either dump it in to do it for you, if that's possible, or Figure out a way that it will make it much easier for you to do it yourself. Break it down into little small pieces. Can you get a friend to sit with you and help you? You know, I was just um, coaching a wonderful client and she realized she's had a lot of change in her life and she realized that she is not eating. And we were talking about, okay, well, what can you do? She wasn't even realizing she wasn't eating. So it was four o'clock. She felt like crap. She wasn't able to focus. She was feeling kind of anxious. And suddenly she'd realized that, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten anything. And so we were talking about, well, what can she do? And I'm like, you know, and her comment was, well, if I don't have food in the house on Sunday, so if I don't shop on Sunday, then it goes to Monday, it goes to Tuesday. And so then I feel like I've just completely screwed up the whole week. I'm shopping on Wednesday, but who cares, right? because it just kind of is going downhill from there. And so what we talked about is what if she did her shopping on Sunday? But better than that, because she doesn't really like to do the shopping, what if she actually ordered the food in? So she would order it one time, would save that cart, 
And then, you know, all she would have to do on a Sunday is just click the button and all her food would then come to her. And so she said to me, well, that's all good and wonderful, but to sit there and do this, I don't think I can do it. And so then she, you know, we were like, well, how could you do it? And she's like, you know what? I'm visiting my, my parents tomorrow. I'm going to be there for a day. I'm going to get my mom to help me set all this up. So she's automating it, right? She's setting it up one time. And then all she has to do is click the button because I'm telling you, if I had to be the one that was going out there and buying the food, I would never have food. I mean, I'll go. I, I don't even know that we need food. Rich is like, we need to go shopping. And so then I'll go or what he prefers is that I say, I don't want to go. And he goes by himself because he can do it in about 25% of the time and at about what, 75% of the cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know why I got into that. Advice for people with ADHD. Yeah. The key to living successfully with yeah. ADHD. But I, but I can't remember. Yeah. I started talking about rich being displaced and oh, oh whatever. ADHD brain. Okay, so does anybody else have a, what is the key to living successfully with ADHD? Taya? This is maybe not as important as what's been mentioned, but I think also talking to the people around you and seeing if there's, because there's the, oh, you know, I think getting things out in the open and talking about things with people, you realize you have much more in common with them than, you know, uh, is at the surface. And I think that watching my mom and Marcus, they've really had a strong support system with each other to be like, hey, like, I'm doing this. Like, are you doing this? You know, and I think that there's a lot of benefit to realizing like, oh, I'm not unique in feeling this way. You know, like there's a lot of people that have felt this way or, um, you know, can relate to what I'm going through or the challenges that I'm experiencing. And so I think that having someone that understands you in that way, whether that be online, you know, I know my mom's community, there's, there's a lot of people that have never met in person, but have, um, you know, have a relationship now and talk about these things um, together. And I think that that is really beneficial as well to have like a strong support system, whether that be in your house, out in the world, you know, whatever. I would totally agree. Marky, what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Um, I don't really know, to be honest, because I feel like a lot of the things that traditional people with ADHD struggle with, I don't struggle with, which has made it, as an adult, made my life a little bit easier. But I guess if I had to say one thing is that I feel like, in just in general, you have to be able to control your life if that makes sense what does that um, mean the things that you can prevent or the things that you can plan ahead if you can figure out a way to do that properly i think it just makes your life easier to have some sort of control i think with adhd if you live your life kind of on like a whim it can be successful but i also just think it causes like unnecessary like stress and anxiety mm -hmm. um and i think the easiest thing it's easier for me than most people, but I think like you have that planner and there's tons of other ways. If you can find a way to like structure your life in a more organized way, I think it really just makes life easier to do. So are you saying that again, it's like if you can automate it, if you can do it one time so that you're not constantly having to go back and remember, well, set that. If you're not even, 
not even one time if you can just come up with one plan that works i feel like we always feel like we need to change how we do something but even if it's like the most archaic way of doing it if it works for you just do it that way that's a really good that's a really good comment so simple means that you're gonna get it done yeah Mm -hmm. okay um so atea i i need to ask you are you still using my planner I am. And I've never stuck with planners. I've always bought the fancy, pretty planners, and then I use them for a month, and then I never pick them up. And I actually, I'm sticking with my mom's planner. I'm so happy to hear that. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says, but if you tell me that, oh my God, that really works for me, and I actually see it, that that makes me feel really good. It's so dorky, but it's planning things out, uh, taking... 10 minutes on Sunday to plan everything out the week ahead makes me feel so much less anxious. And then it's almost, it makes it the anticipation of being able to check everything off. And then you look back and you see it all. It's just so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't have to be my planner, which is, you know, certainly not fancy, right? You can do this literally with a, you know, piece of construction paper, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where just breaking things down in your in your mind, and my mom always says you have to get it out of your mind so that you can then start taking the steps to, you know, go into action. And I'm an overthinker; I always keep everything in my mind. And I, I mean, I used to be the person that I would remember everything in my mind, and then I would, you know, obviously forget everything. So putting it on paper, it's not anything new, but it works. Yeah, it's not fancy. No. And I think all those little horns and whistles, and then you need to remember to go back to them and it's color coded. And I mean, I guess it works for some people. It certainly doesn't work for my brain. I just need to always be down to the basics. Simple. Yeah. Great. Well, this is when I typically ask my guests what they're working on and where people can find them if they want to reach out. But I'm assuming you don't want people reaching out. Don't need to do that. Well, oh, oh, well, actually, if anyone is an artist that needs help with management, booking shows, if you live in New York or I guess even in L.A., I mean, I don't know where I'm going to live next year or if you make music and oh, also I DJ. If you ever have a party and you live in the New York, Brooklyn area and you need a DJ. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? You know, you know me and music, and I mean, you got all your music. You know, all the interest is from your dad. What kind of music do you DJ? I have been to one show. Uh, <laughs> Rich yeah. and I kind of looked at each other and rolled our eyes. Yeah, I I think at one point I yelled at them, "If you're bored, you can leave," because they were <laughs> looking at me like I was a loser. Uh, they no they no, no no no. They just were. My mom was like, "What did you do?" But you know, they're actually being a DJ is all about researching. You know, it depends on exactly you know what kind of vibe we're we're curating. I DJ with my best friend, and my real love is hip hop. So we do a lot of hip hop. Um, we do disco. We do funk, soul. We add in some kind of experimental jazz um, that's more, um, you know, electronic. We do a lot of different stuff. But, you know, for me, it all comes down to my dad. I grew up listening to Motown with my dad and so much hip hop music samples Motown and 
you know, 70s R&B and um, soul. So that's kind of where my my heart lies. But I love playing it all. It's really fun. So Okay, so if they want to reach out to you, where, they, where do they find you? I guess my Instagram, which I don't even know what my Instagram handle is. I, I think it's Atea Stefani. It's just my name. A-T-E-A-S-T-E-F-A-N-I. Yeah, it's Atea Stefani. So at yeah. Atea Stefani, A-T-E-A. Okay. Well, thank you, family. Thank you for spending time with us here today. That was surprisingly painless. And I was really worried, especially after an hour and 15 minutes of tech challenges. And as you can tell, my family isn't super sweet or kind of snarky. Well, other than Rich, although he's gotten a little bit more snarky too, as the years have progressed. And so I was so on edge by the time we finally got on because it was so stressful just getting everybody's stuff working. So I appreciate that um, you family hung in and didn't make it more difficult than it had to be. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, guys. Honored to be here. Yeah. Congratulations. Marcus. Yeah, what? (laughs) Oh, bye. What am I supposed to say? This is Marcus, people. This is Marcus. Yeah. What am I supposed to I don't know how to do goodbyes. Bye. You know? How about saying, hey, thanks, Mom, for everything? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ma. Happy 200th episode. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, family. You have my heart, and you generate so much positive emotion for me. So as you probably could hear, my son is a man of few words. My daughter is the complete opposite. She's all love and light and bubbles. And my husband, well, he doesn't have a critical bone in his body. Somehow he is able to see all my best qualities. And that's all he sees. (laughs) And I have no idea how he does it, but I am eternally grateful. So before I go, I just want to thank Sandra so much for this idea and forcing me to get out of my comfort zone and do something a little different for episode number 200. I feel truly blessed to call you my wonderful friend. And for you, dear listeners, I got to tell you, I don't know what it is that I do. I don't really even know how I do it. It's just who I am. And the fact that I get to do it, that you allow me to do it for 200 episodes now, right? And it makes a difference in your life. You have no idea how much positive emotion that generates for me. So all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up. And you know what? I would love to have one of you on the podcast. So this is what I would love. I get a lot of emails every week from women who tell me I've listened to all the episodes of the podcast and my life is completely different when I look at what it was like when I started versus now that I'm done with all the episodes or I'm I'm caught up with all the episodes. So if that's you, get out of your comfort zone send me an email at support at tracyotsuka.com. I would love to have you on the podcast. Let's get you on. Okay. So if you like this episode with my family, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com and I will see you here next week. Thank you so much for listening. 
You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.